was in the countdown. Yes, that's right. We are here for another edition of Deep Space Nine at Nine-ish. I am your host, Jeff Mater. Breaking another season three episode, The Abandoned. It's all about a Jem Hadar growing up in a place that's a little bit strange to him. But we're gonna talk it, uh, talk it all, uh, talk it all out, break it all down here. But let's bring in um, who I have to talk this uh, episode with. So we have my brother. We'll bring on uh, him on in. Dave Mater. Hello. Hello. Say hello. All right. How are you? I'm. I'm well. I'm here to talk about a is a poor abandoned orphan, Jemadar. Uh, you got to send him to the orphanage on Beja. Yeah, Get Kira to make the arrangements. Odo's just trying to do what's. He doesn't want him to be a laboratory, you know, specimen, man. He can be more, but he can't. Uh, and and we'll bring in our tag team couple. Uh, for now, we have both of them, uh, Kevin Millard, Ashley Millard. Uh, they are here to help us break down. What did you make of this episode? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Yes or yes? Yes. This is a turd. <laughs> I do. You're not going to be a fan, Kevin. <laughs> um, it wasn't my favorite episode either. It's not one I would want to rewatch. I disagree. I think this is an okay episode. I think it does uh quite a bit to establish the Jem Hadar and what like there are a lot of what we like we don't know anything really about them before this point. They we've only had two encounters and they've been incredibly brief. Um, we didn't know they were they were genetically engineered until now, so this was a big revelation, and what that right. meant, and what sort of the, what the Dominion is about, and what and sort of what the threat is on the horizon. I think that's all brought uh, up here, but there's there are some not so great moments, and I think Odo doesn't necessarily come across great here. I'm with well, Dave. This is an okay episode. It's like it's an Odo episode, really, and not not a great one. You know, because it's more about it's kind of like Cisco's involved quite a bit too. But yeah, I feel like it's an Odo centric episode that has very little Odo. Like it's he's kind of this parent figure throughout the episode. We're, we're saying it's an Odo episode, but Odo doesn't show up until like half an hour into this episode. Like he doesn't, yeah. he's not even on screen until 30 minutes in, I think. Right. Until... It kind of it kind of starts as a Bashir and Cisco episode, you know, like they're trying to figure out like where this kid came from. And this is a Jake Cisco episode. It's not well with Odo's, no, Odo's, Odo's there before thirty minutes in. He him and Kira are in his quarters. He's showing that's up like that's quarters. deep into the episode. I we'd have to yeah, look at the exact minutes. Sixteen minutes in. Okay, so it's yeah. like yeah. which which in a forty five minute episode it's is pretty deep in. Yeah, yeah, it's like a third in, and Odo doesn't show up until Kira. And Kira doesn't show up until this point either, right? Because at this point, we don't know he's a Gemadar, so there's there's no reason for Odo to be involved yet. So uh, I, I do like the mystery. I like the slow burn. Um, you don't know where who he is, where he's from, and then and then sort of what that how the episode pivots uh, right. somewhat dramatically. Okay. Um, well, you already mentioned it, kind of, Dave. But like, do you want to break into the Jake Cisco of it all, the Dabo girl coming over for dinner, Marta? Is this your favorite part of the episode, Kevin? Oh, yes, of course. I hate when, all of this. And when Cisco is all like, it's this is this is borderline, like, it's weird because, like, Jake yeah. Cisco isn't a man yet, he's still a boy, you know, he's. He's still he's like 16 he's 16 year old. Boy. He's okay, 16. But, but she, 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 she looks friends. like she looks Where's like she? she's 29. Like, she does not look like anywhere near his age. Cisco has know? made friends with his son's abuser. Okay, let's, yes. let's, let's, talk, let, let's talk about this for a second, because how old is Marta? Like, 21? 20. She looks older than that, though. She looks older than that. But, okay, like, it was not unheard of for 20-year-olds to date 16-year-olds, uh, you know, especially the uh, um, guys with young with young girls. Now, I'm not condoning it or 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 even um, uh, like sort of con- like not what's the opposite of condoning, um, trashing condemning. it, condemning or condoning, condemning or condoning. I'm just like like dad. Our dad was like 19 dating a 16-year-old uh, when right. Our you know. Um, when our parents started dating. So I don't know. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but I'm just saying like this, it, this was not like dramatically 
unheard of. It's I think by today's standards, it's less okay. Oh, without sorry, Ashley, you always get your face covered there. By the way. Oh, and we have Jamil has joined us. Jamil, how much did you love this episode? The abandoned. Can't hear you. Well, we, we can't, can't hear, hear you. you. Mixed bag. There you go. Mixed bag. Mixed Things bag. work when you um, put them on. Mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. Actually, um, okay. In reality, she is the actress is only two years older than Jake Sisko, so maybe not that bad. Well, I, I I don't know. I don't know if this is. Do we want to get like what is the age and when do we draw these lines? And I don't know what the twenty fourth century uh, extent is, but but it's enough that 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 Cisco is not willing to call security for her to be escorted off the premises. <laughs> but he's right. not happy with the situation. He doesn't approve of this. But by the end, he's coming around. He's like, no, my my son's a beatnik poet, uh, j- dom jot hustling guy you know davo girl dating guy he's he's got a lot of things going on jake sisko yeah he kind of thinks he's cool by the end and in the rest of the series he's none of those things anymore like he (laughs) he he, like i I think he occasionally plays dom jot with nog but they talk about it more than you ever see him doing it they were grasping at straws for things for jake sisko because there's nothing there, there was nothing until they came up with the writer angle for him. There was nothing for Jake Sisko, really, other than his friendship with Nog, you know. But like, that's not really a thing. They could have made uh, him a gymnast. He had onesies. He did wear onesies. He wears. He could be. I could yeah. see him in a gymnast type of um, leotard of some sort. You know. Yep. He's out that. of the leotards. Jake Sisko is cool, man. He's got pants <laughs> and a shirt now, not all together. He's able to date uh, Davo girls, you know, do you, slightly do you, older than him. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that this storyline specifically happened because there was questions about Jake and his sexuality? No, I don't think so. Uh, were were you questioning Jake Sisko's no, sexuality in 1994? Uh, no, I wasn't, but I can absolutely see like Jake's been this is the third season, and all we see is mm. Jake hanging out with Nog. Let's like kind of you know put right. it in there just in case. It's been yeah, a while maybe. since yeah, dating or anything to do with Cisco, Jake Sisko's love life uh, in general. Uh, I was scrolling through a review of this episode on IMDb. Listen to this. Jake is dating a 20-year-old Dabo girl with extremely large dot, dot, dot. Well, you can guess. Naturally, his father is not thrilled by this, but instead of telling Jake no, he invites the lady for dinner. The main plot, however, is a lot less mundane and creepy. A baby is discovered among the wreckage of a ship that Quark has bought. The child grows very quickly, and... Soon, he grows into a Jemadar killing machine. Not surprisingly, the crew isn't thrilled, but Odo decides to take the young killing machine under his wing. But try as he might to learn about the deeper person buried within, this Jemadar seems even more one-dimensional than Nancy Grace. With this unnamed Jemadar, it's kill, kill, kill. In fact, he makes the Klingons seem like deep thinkers and pacifists. What's next? Well, the episode is mildly interesting, there's really not much more to it than this. And then that, that's where it ends. But, you know. Well, it's concise, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, About this episode. What this episode is, is um, loose hanging threads that they're just like, well, we'll just might as well put it into an episode. If there were like a whole bunch of multi-episode arcs that were happening, this would be playing over in the background over the course of a couple of them. And it just so happens they're like, well, we're just going to put it in an episode. That's what it honestly felt like. This episode belonged in season two. Yeah, probably. <laughs> That's a good point. It doesn't feel like a season three episode. Cisco is better in this episode, but you know, Cisco is not Cisco. I think this this is more like the season two Cisco. I agree. It is. It but is. I I uh, he because like the like compared to like last week where we saw you know or even the, the the few episodes we've been through the five episodes we've been through Cisco's been more like. The Cisco will come to know, like like Cisco peaks. The hawk Cisco. is out. The hawk is, you know, but here uh-huh. he kind of regresses back into. I, I think, and I think it's because he's in this more like he's in this story that's more about um, his son, right, or about the the thing. Is this an Avery Brooks directed episode too? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yes, it feels like oh. it. 
Yeah, and I think that that's where he's like. I think in terms of his performance in the episode, I think he's trying to tell us a very specific thing. He's, I think it was always important to Avery Brooks having this connection with the Jake Cisco and having the son and raising his son and making that part of the character. So I think that this everything here would be important to him. But I think that's why maybe Kevin's not digging it so much because it's it's less of the tone maybe we we enjoy out of cisco i think it's jazz man it's jazz it's it's it's, all over the place and why does odo have to collect every lost soul on in the universe (laughs) well uh, what was he was a lost soul that's i understand what like but it's almost every episode that revolves around him is him finding someone or or that's his bag yeah it's (laughs) Lost well, souls. Was, that's my Lost bag, souls, baby. Yeah. What was the episode? Um, it was a, co- a couple episodes ago. Ashley pointed out the fact that it was like this. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, the O'Brien Keiko episode, and they're the and, and they're like a couple. And this episode's also about this other couple. This episode's kind of doing the same thing. We have a father son relationship with Jake and Cisco, and then we have the Odo and the Jemadar. I you know the, that relationship. So they're kind of you know playing off that's the a and the b storyline it's boring but that's what they're doing i think they should have structured this differently where um we don't know which um father-son dynamic is going to work right Mm. is it going to be jake and thing jake and um ben's situation kind of ends very early they should have went back and forth and see if there were any parallels between you know uh uh, jake having a killing of sorry jake having a dabble girl and uh the Jim Hadari having a killing um, fetish, oh, right? The hologram program where he's yeah. killing things. Yeah, she went back and forth. Yeah. Well, and, don't, and then like, have like, I, you know, like Jake enjoying the hollow suite with all these girls surrounding him, and then it cuts <laughs> to the Jim Hadari and he's like chopping heads <laughs> off. That would have been hilarious. It was kind of masturbatory, wasn't it? Like he's like, go to level five. <laughs> he's yeah, just yeah. enjoying himself. I would have enjoyed that. <laughs> Lower decks would have done that. That yes. Been a great, you know. <laughs> Please do a lower decks version of this episode. Love it. Right. Like, like, well, I think like this is a very tragic story to me. You know, in terms of obviously how it ends up with Odo and this this Jemadar kid who never gets a name, but uh, we can we can assume it would be like Talak Talan or or Kilgore. Or yeah, it would be like something along those lines. Um, but like that, uh, that both both father figures, both Cisco and Odo, have to accept that they're kind of powerless, really, to do any, to stand in their respective son's way. Like they can only try to guide them a little bit, and um, and 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 Cisco, like O'Brien says at the end, I thought you were going to put the boom, you were going to lower the boom on this, and he says, well. <laughs> I figured out my scent was pretty cool, so I let him do his thing. But really, I think I, I think Ben Cisco kind of realizes, like, what am I like going to do? I've already like Jake's already told me he doesn't want to be in Starfleet at this point, right? Like that happened. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, and that he's going to find his own path. And uh, I think that that you know he's just he's learning to let go. But there's also this whole moment here where, he, you know, we got Ben Cisco. Whole I love babies and <laughs> uh, all of that stuff. Well, yeah, yeah I mean. That this is kind of like the, you know, when when Picard has that episode where it's like uh, Captain's Day or whatever, and he's like so embarrassed, and it's kind of like that to me with Cisco here. It's just like so sometimes these Jake episodes, yeah, are kind of silly. Where it's like, ooh, he tricked his girlfriend into coming over for dinner, and then you know he's gonna make her not not like it, and then it and it juxtaposes and it's actually he likes he likes her because he, she's giving him information on his son that he didn't know and it's all kind of <laughs> like in ridiculous. an alliance <laughs> yeah. yes it's it's all sitcommy it's very sitcommy mm-hmm. this and, is uh and, have you ever danced the devil in the pale moonlight or the daba girl in the pale moonlight to try to you know get to uh, get some intel and jake yeah. find out what's going on he's wearing poetry he's hustling damjat what's jake's right. thing tell but, me what's jake's uh, thing I did. I did think like I was like at first. I was like with the Jem Hadar storyline. I was thinking, you know, was this um, just a way to introduce the Jem Hadar? Like Dave was saying, we don't know much about them, so this is the way we're going to learn. Or is this a great? It can be both. uh, But it's it could be a metaphor. Like to me, like I was like, what could this be a metaphor for? And to me, it's kind of like when people can become radicalized, you know, and and like they just have like a, a doctrine that they can't break from, and that's kind of what the gem are. They're programmed, but you can be programmed by 
ideology, right? And I think that maybe that's kind of the point they're making with the Jebedar is that their ideology is like, this is what we believe. This is even, you know, this is what we think. We don't waver, you know. But and, the, this and, is nature nurture, and how can this Jemadar be any? He was clearly not nurtured by Dominion right. like education. This is just programmed into his DNA, and I think that by the end of this, you're like, there's not like a lot of reason here. Like, like they they set up Ketracel White here, although they don't name they don't specifically name it here, but that they're addicted right. to the substance. The founders are kind of insidious in what they've done here in creating this like killing army for themselves that is that hates everybody else, that thinks they're superior. Like uh, he's like, I know you're like I, yeah. I know Odo, you're better than me, but I know I'm better than ever all these people. And I'll right. kill any one of them you want me to. Um yeah and it, it, you're right it doesn't leave a lot of room for growth. We do kind of get some cool episodes later with the Jim Hadar where like they they know that they're, like they're breaking rules, but they they or like when they do, they kill themselves and stuff like that. They're very loyal and they just follow the rules no matter what. Um, but like we do kind of see them wrestle with things, but it's never enough. Like I do think the Jim Hadar, they are too black and white in some ways. What do you think, Ashley and uh, Kevin? I agree with that. <laughs> Both look at each other. <laughs> I think the, um, the, yeah the Jem'Hadar like what, like what yeah the Jem'Hadar was never really that interesting for me so just I like them I like um, they do uh, this one this Jem'Hadar is a child so you see where he is at the beginning of his life right. and he's he's all about killing but you can see that the Jem'Hadar do grow wiser as they age Right. And they do start to question things as they age. It's just unfortunate they only live like six years on average. But is that, do they, can they die of old age or are they just like, where's yes. their old age? Yeah, they say later on that, like, I think the oldest one is like 20 years old. Like, to get yeah. to 20 years old for a Jemadar is very rare that they're honored elders, but they're, uh, they're, they're, yeah, they don't live like most humanoids because of their accelerated metabolisms and all these other things. And, um, they're they're grown in these tubes but uh yeah like i don't know like i think that they're i don't really know what to make of the yeah like kevin's saying that they get better some of them become sort of they question things that will they'll even fight back against the oppressors especially the vorta none of the gym are like the vorta that that wasn't part of their genetic programming but <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's the school the vorta school but but they're always present yeah the vorta are, are always presented to be somewhat insidious and that the Gemadar are sort of victimized they've been because they've been but i don't understand the distinction because the vorta are genetically engineered too to behave the way they behave just like I think the, because the the Ketracel white is like this dependency, and I think the Vorta looked down on them for that, and it's like their way of controlling them. That's why they when they open up the case and they take this from the founders and all that, it's all a way for the Vorta to kind of like when you give communion, you know, in religious, in religion, yeah. you know, like in church. The, the founders that, don't need the Ketracel white, but the Vorta do. Yeah, right. To control the Gem Hadar. Yeah. Right. Like were the Jemadar a species that like I I you know like the Vorta that were taken by the founders and turned into this? Um or I were think they... so, yeah. I do. I, I think uh, well or maybe they just created them from you know scratch. That could you know, possibly. Like, they are founders and can turn into anything. They're shapeshifters. I mean they could you know yeah, and they're clearly uh, master geneticists. Like they're because we yeah. don't know we we don't know. This is kind of like the first real, I think, uh, strong indication that the the Dominion is involved in this genetic engineering, and this is sort of and that the founders have a, a series of like systems of control in place, and they are they are formidable. And so they're they're slowly introducing these concepts, and I think this episode is effective um, in getting across like the Gemadar are not necessarily rational. That they're like, yeah, like I think that review is saying that, yeah, the Klingons are seem like pacifists by comparison. I think that was the whole point, is that the, you know, like we have to sort of up the stakes here. What's the yeah. next frontier? What's and, the next threat? And we can't do the Borg because, you know, I I think they didn't even want to go near the Borg with D six nine because once they're there, it's like how do you get rid of them? You know, <laughs> yeah, they have to, you know. So that that was always the thing with me with. Uh, uh, yeah, I do think they're like let's just make this 
biggest, baddest, worst warrior, indiscriminate killer. Doesn't even care about honor. It's basically the opposite of a Klingon in that way. Um, but they they do change. Like you're right. Like the, in in the prison later on with Worf, you know they they decide not to kill, or like the main guy decides not to kill Worf. So then they they they're gonna kill both of them, uh, and then they beat him away. Uh, but only Worf beats away the other guy. You know, another one bites the dust. But that's uh, the Jumpinar, I find uh, usually an interesting watch. You know, yeah. Like it's it's too bad. Like okay, it's because could he could Odo have gone through to this Jumpinar eventually? Maybe no. We don't know because it's only been like two weeks, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. But like like all right, like just since he was there. They need, literally needed to figure out a way to give him the drug he needed, just to, like basically to not be in agony or to die, right? Like, would he have died without the white after a certain amount of time? It seems we to don't be. know. Yeah, well, we, we don't. Well, know. we don't know yet. But it does. It is revealed that you know they would die. Yeah. You know. Um, I think in that one episode, the one Jemhadar can live without it but the others they don't die they just go crazy and kill each other if they don't have it right like uh that was the one the one episode where uh, the vorta says yeah they'll kill all of you and then they'll and then they'll kill each other and yeah. Then yeah until there's one left and then he'll kill himself <laughs> you know so essentially uh, yes they die without it <laughs> But they could have, like, maybe after they all time, um, Julian could have developed it into like, um, like a condiment, like ketchup, and he'll just like yamak sauce, like yamak sauce, <laughs> right? No, yeah. and then he'll be able to eat Cisco's food, and they'll just squeeze on the the ketrosol white like paste onto the um, the gumbo and just eat how, that. How do the Jem'Hadar not eat? You know, they're humanoid. How do they need a like a drug? You know? I, do, do they not eat? He says he feels sick when he eats in this episode. Right. So they change that later because yeah, they They're say not. they don't eat later. Yeah. Well, Quark so was always, always complaining because they like, don't eat, they don't... you need to eat, and then he eats and feels sick because he's supposed to be getting this ketrosol white. No, oh, maybe the ketrosol white is all they need to survive. Makes them much more efficient soldiers if you don't have to worry about feeding them. Right. Yeah. Well, they also don't sleep. Yeah, don't sleep. Yeah, they don't sleep. And they don't, uh, sex. don't have sex. They don't really seem to have any hobbies. It's not like a Gemadar is painting a painting in his quarters when he's you know <laughs> off duty. <laughs> He'll make a portrait of dead bodies all over. Yeah, but even so, you'd think something. They do seem to be very inspired by death. Yeah, you know. So, how do you feel about Jem Hadar, Jeff? Well, I think they were a good adversary. Um, I don't. I th I do think it was a on purpose thing that they did this, where it was a child and grew up, and you got to watch. You know, you basically the future enemy. You had to empathize it with it in some way, you know. Uh, but when you get to the end, you're like, yeah, this is not good. That's what I think, anyway. Yeah, at first, what? yeah. Yeah, it's it, where's the blue skin? I don't get it. You know, why is it he not blue? Sure it looks like a human baby for the most part. Like you think it would have I don't know, it just it's it's odd. This is much, that, as much stuff that? as it allowed to glue to the kid. Yeah, okay. well, I was gonna say that Jamil. <laughs> what was that meme that Star Trek gluing things to babies' foreheads for fifty years? Yeah. <laughs> you can't find the exact one, but yeah. This is his this is the, the second kid or the second version we get. Where he's like, I but he wants food. He he asks for food, and he knows how to talk right away. Maybe when they're children, they eat food, and then when they're teenagers, they get the ketrosol white. Perhaps they go through puberty, and now they can't eat food and get their drug. And then he's like, "Oh, I'm ready for the drug. Give it to me. I have bones in my face." <laughs> the, the body of Odo. <laughs> the body of Odo. <laughs> It's like communion. Uh, and then yeah. he's and then this is full full form. Jemadar. Scary. Beard of bones. Well, that makeup must have taken a while. You know. 
I mean, imagine like, I mean, you know, like we were talking about last episode, Kira was complaining, you know, not a vis Nana visitor. Nana was was complaining about their Cardassian makeup after a 10 hour shoot. I imagine that kid had, you know, he's not a Nana visitor, but I imagine that kid had to wear even that. That seems like more extensive makeup. That last shot you just had there, Dave. Yeah. Um, yeah, that right. you'd have to sit. You'd have to sit for a long time, I think. To, well, imagine they, that. but they, they must have known they would have to have like whole like battalions of these guys in this makeup. So yeah. they would have to do a lot of these uh, if they had any kind of. Probably the the base structure is something they could just put on, and it yeah. already has a lot of the ridges already done. And then they just have to to kind of fill it in, um, right. even it out, and then you know they they probably figured out a way to do it quicker. Right, like with like um. With with Quark, they would just put like this helmet on him when I already had yeah. the ears, and then you know, and then they they make it. With the Cardassians, it's different because each they have to make it very distinct, and they're only mm. using that for one episode. They probably use this same facial structure for like thirty people right. during the course of the rest of the series. Now, that's why all the Geminar look the same. <laughs> what do you say, Jeff? Are you saying they all look alike? <laughs> I'm saying the oh. Javadar do, yeah, yeah, and the Klingons probably a little bit too, uh, and the Romulans uh, no, I, and the Romulans. Although that being said, if you like get casted as a Klingon, you're like, I'm taking this so I can show up at the you know Legion 501 whatever meeting in full regalia. Full regalia, yeah. Right on, right on. A very inspiring episode in terms of discussion. There's not much to discuss. It's yeah. like really a paint by numbers episode. I do like yes. uh I do like Odo the, the <laughs> that scene with Odo and Kira in his quarters. Odo getting his quarters and describing kind of discovering himself. Is that I our first scene with Odo's room? Is that is that our first scene without those quarters? Yes, this is yeah. his first gets quarters because he used to we, sleep in his office. Is that what we're in the bucket in the corner of his office? Yeah. Right now, there's a plant now, in the bucket. Now, you know, and this is where you know he's gonna have some intimate times with the female founder. You know, so that's that's. I liked this scene. I thought that this was a really nice moment with with uh, with with Odo and Kira. I think that you know this is uh, another another building block for this relationship, which I I know is controversial to some, but I think it really worked by the end of the series. Um, I think that they were like you know whether they made better friends or better like lovers. I don't know. I think it's up for debate, but I think that their their connection is strong, and that Odo's not really connected to many people, and just seeing her happy for for him. And that he's growing as a person here. I thought yeah. it was really nice. Good That's change. why I feel like this episode is just like a couple of storylines kind of just threaded into one episode. Because that yeah, scene was really good. It worked. It's a, it's a day in the life of at Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Right. I read the Deep Space Nine news today. Oh, boy. Not the Beatles <laughs> reference. Um, and then this the scene at the end, Jeff. This whole ending... What with... is he doing there? He's sitting down. That's okay. <laughs> he's he's mid sit down. That's how he's. That's how. That's how a changeling sits down. Like an um, <laughs> And he comes in just to say, "You were right." And she goes. She kind of gives him this look, and then that's the end. I I think that the ending is kind of weird. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's the budget for this week. See you next yeah. week, folks. Well, yeah, did, so. did, was it necessary? Why couldn't they have just have? Why couldn't the ending just have been um, him fly off with the Jemadar and that's it? <laughs> I think they they wanted. To, I think they wanted to say because a lot of the times you get these episodes where they find this one of their adversaries and they like like the Hugh episode and. TNG where they you know he becomes it's it's this optimism at the end and I think they wanted to go in the opposite direction with this episode where instead of being optimistic that this gem that the gem Hadar could be anything other than what they're designed to be and he comes in and goes no they are who they are and that's this is that it it drives home the point that they're these big bads for them couldn't Oh, them into something other than absolute killing machines. Couldn't they have like filmed it in a, a little bit better way? Like 
you see Odo coming into sh- sh- um, the ship lock, uh, the space lock, and um, Kira's there waiting for him. And you just see Odo, and he shakes his head no, right? And it just kind of yeah, ends on that. That I think that would be a lot more dramatic and better. Maybe, than- maybe without words, instead of this weird like moment they have in the replimat, um, it just. Do, do, uh, do, do. Or maybe no conversation between Odo and Kira, and maybe Odo doing like a person, uh, like a um, yeah, like a log, you know, like a you know, on the way back on the on the, you know something like that would have been good too. Yeah. Uh, right, but okay, was the Federation right to want to like study him, to want to take him to Starbase two hundred one? No, absolutely not. He's a sentient being. They were going to take him. <laughs> Yeah. And make yeah, him a prisoner. They're not yeah, at no, war yet. You, no yeah. you know, you know, it was really going to be like Section Thirty One, and the guy from Shawshank Redemption would have been like pulling the scalpel out, and you know, <laughs> which oh, uh, are you talking about Sloan? Sloan, yeah, yeah, Colonel Stewart, <laughs> Colonel <laughs> Stewart, death from uh, the Grim Reaper. Yeah, yeah, from he's all of those things. Focus journey. Yes, <laughs> he's also Hadley in Shawshank Redemption. Yep, I think that's his name. Right, yeah. Like I think, uh, I think that it kind of shows like it's another indication here of like how how scared the Federation is of the Dominion, how 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 yeah. looming this threat is. And I think this episode does a good job because everyone's scared of him, even though their encounters with the Jemadar have been very brief. And like I'm sure they they have tussles with all kinds of species all across the Federation, you know, uh, over time, but. There's something about the Dominion has really, you know, you feel that from this episode. You feel that threat. You probably get it alone from the Ferengi, which are like, yeah, you're going to the the Gamma Quadrant. You're still going there to the Gamma Quadrant. It's like <laughs> I love profits, but I'm not going there right now, right? <laughs> that alone, just say what 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 is a dangerous situation that Ferengi would avoid profit. That, <laughs> yeah. You mean the conversation with purple hair? Woo! Yes, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Do we ever see her again? I don't know. Um, yes. When she comes back later, um, is she the muse? She doesn't have a name yet, but she gets a name later. She does. Come is she back. the muse, the one that like gets like sucks all the energy out of Jake? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Jake. Question: Always. Should Quark should Quark have been uh, compensated for his uh, his wreckage? Yes. I think so, yeah. He bought he is not in the Federation. He bought that. He's just a like merchant on the thing. And then the Federation just turns around and goes, or Starfleet turns around and goes, Yeah, we're just taking this. Please, it's not Starfleet. Cisco yeah. just was like, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> All right, Quark. Get season out of here. three Cisco came out in that conversation. Yeah, that was the only se- season three Cisco uh we that. <laughs> and then yeah, the we're taking the ship. I paid for that. Oh, okay, you can have it. <laughs> he's like, it's all yours. Cisco it's doesn't even yours, have to yeah. say anything. He just yeah, looks he just at him. He looks at him. He's like, fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And Quark's out of the episode after that. That's it. After yeah. John. Yeah. It's lucky he's not off the station. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I didn't understand why Cisco was so mad at Quark and the woman about it. Like, I don't think she knew that there was a baby in the wreckage. Maybe she did. I don't know, but yeah. She yeah. probably wanted to get that off of her hands as quickly as possible. Because if she was found out that she was hoarding a gem hadar, like that's not good business. Especially yeah. if she went back. Especially if that gem hadar ended up in Sloane's hands. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't like it. Gem hadar might not be very happy about that. True. And they would trace where it came from. Listen, Sloane, what a laugh. What a laugh. What a laugh. <laughs> I can't even do it. <laughs> Come, Come on. on. No. Come on. Give us no one. No. Not after last night. Uh, <laughs> Oi. What a loss. <laughs> Oi. Gets punched in, this, in the face in this episode also. Oh, I was so, so happy. Bashir gets punched in the face a lot. It's great. Such so there, there needs Very to be a punchable face. super cut. There has to be a super cut. There has to be. Yeah. At least the Snyder cut. I say. Oh, he, Stop. he did get punched in the face. He, he went right down. Yeah. <laughs> and and Dax went, security the promenade. And then Odo comes running out like he, he was doing nothing. And, you know. 
I'm surprised um, yeah, people standing can... directly beside Bashir. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, it's good thing he wasn't <laughs> Bashir would have died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That would have been it. <laughs> and nobody ever he never would have found out with his <laughs> His genetic engineering, just like the Jem'Hadar. So it all comes back around. Bashir is the Jem'Hadar of the Deep Space Nine crew. Yeah. Why was there no, like, I guess they still haven't figured that out yet in terms of the character. No. But, like, I was like, there's a lot of talk about genetic, um, you know, engineering in it. I'm like... Well, yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I'm sure they hadn't, that wasn't part of the character yet, but Knowing that this is something that will become part of Bashir, is a retcon to watch it with that knowledge is kind of interesting because he's he mostly plays it sort of neutral in the scene. Um, and are you well, kidding? He you see how fast he fell to the floor? That's genetic engineering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was how great. Fast he put that punch right to the face. Wouldn't that have been kind of cool? Like, had they kind of put that in, like, like he just caught the Gemini's punch or something? Like, he, <laughs> he acted like he didn't know, he's like, but oh. he just did it anyway. You know, oh, anyway. oh sorry, way, I did. Engineer. I just let himself get yeah, hit. Such great eyesight. Why didn't he see that punch coming? Yeah. Well, he did see it. He's like, I gotta take it. Well, I gotta take it. I gotta, I gotta take it. Gotta... Yeah. My dad's gonna go to prison in New Zealand if I if I don't take this punch. He's <laughs> taking. <laughs> Tom Paris's spot in that penal colony. And wait, with yeah. with Bashir in later episodes, it only makes him better at racquetball and darts. It doesn't make him any better at fighting or anything yeah. useful. Yeah. Maybe, maybe at, at being a doctor. Yeah, he's better at like whenever yeah. like they need uh, a calculation that the computer could do, he does it instead. <laughs> and then they go, see, he's really he's bragging, but you know he's good at math. He's very good at math. <laughs> He gets so better, man. The genetic um, nerd. But he we need to accelerate to full impulse exactly 1.45892 seconds after the thing explodes. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah. But that's, that, that, that's the extent of his genetically engineered abilities. Oh, yeah, and his ability to throw darts from closer. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't he be better with a phaser then? Like, he he should like, be. A sniper? He's not. He's not. No. O'Brien's a much uh, more effective fighter, which makes no sense. <laughs> you, think, you would also think that Bashir would be yeah, like a really good. Engineer. Bashir should be like the best pilot out of all of them. He should he be should. the best he doctor. Should. He should be the best tactical guy. He should be all the best of everything. He's the, the Captain America of their crew. He's the Khan Noonien Singh of their crew. Well, yes. <laughs> He's. I'm he's always Captain he's well, he's he's Captain he probably, uh, thinks in three dimensions. Right, it's true. Right. How about some double F, Jeff? Uh, double F with Jeff. Are you ready for some fun Wait. facts? No, no, I'm not playing it. <laughs> okay, I'm waiting for the theme song. I don't, is this good? The theme song? I don't think this is good. I think I the think theme song is great. Uh, where, where's the theme song? No, I don't have the theme song. Right oh, now. come on, man. Can't no, it's gonna take me a minute to get it, and then Dave's gonna be upset. You can have it queued up. I'm, I'm, scroll. I talked okay. about it last I week. Know, I, I need to re record it. It's gotta go back into the studio. The Beatles are uh, gonna need to help out on this one. Okay, the infinite Jim Hadar appears quite human and only develops the traditional scaly appearance as he matures. In an interview, makeup artist Michael Westmore explained that was because. There were restrictions that forbid applying glue or makeup to an infant. A small prosthetic was applied to the infant's actor's forehead with KY jelly, which was easily removed after filming. I feel like using KY with a child isn't Z right either. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek. Isn't that just slipping right off his forehead? That's not a good ad for KY jelly. <laughs> Star Trek, using KY jelly to... Stick, stick don't, hide, don't hold his face sideways or this will slip right off his face you <laughs> must hold it exactly like this we only get we're only gonna get this shot once uh this episode marks the first appearance of Ketrissa white even though it was only referred to as the missing enzyme to which the Jim Hadar are addicted okay 
Uh, I mean, is it? It's basically a big metaphor for cocaine, in my, you know, if you ask me. Well, and didn't, haven't like uh, other armies been addicted to certain substances meth. over history? Oh, sure. Opium. And Opium. Meth. There's a the whole Nazis war called were all about meth. The Nazis smoked meth. Yeah. I didn't, meth. I did not know. Oh, yeah. well. well, I guess that makes sense why they were bloodthirsty. Okay. Uh, director uh, star slash star Avery Brooks saw this episode as something of a metaphorical study of racial tension and gang culture. According to Brooks, for me, it was, quote, for me, it was very much a story about young brown men. And to some extent, a story about a society that is responsible for the creation of a generation of young men who are feared, who are addicted, who are potential killers. Is Jake a potential killer? Was it? <laughs> no, he's a dumb giant hustler. A super oh, predator? Right. I'm, I'm surprised he didn't use the term super predators, but that wasn't coined yet at that time, I believe. Okay, but I like I, I get that these are like I, I guess that that's the um the the subtext of what they're trying to present, but I don't think that the the uh, allegory is there directly. Like um I don't think that, that, that this Gemidar kid is the same as somebody growing up in like um like a, 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 whatever a gang a gang. <laughs> situation so right. come on lead into it dave lead into i, know, it. I, I wasn't sure what, 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 what term to use but but like i feel like i feel like uh like it's a cold demon <laughs> you're just dancing around it man i'm just you trying to think of the right word um but it's i don't know if like because this this jebedari he's like programmed and he he can't he can't be reasoned with and maybe i don't know maybe those maybe maybe easy and all them were too i don't know it's uh <laughs> where was the jim hadar's rap album if we just kept him for like oh. seven more years the jim hadar mc or something that would be yeah, yeah. we like country so white <laughs> we, we, we have no rhyme jake's girlfriend would have been in the video jake's girlfriend <laughs> They, they filmed it all at uh, Cork, Cork's Bar. Cork's Bar. <laughs> the convertible runabout. They're dropping strips. Oh, yeah. Strips, of strips everywhere. Ding, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> ding, ding. ding. <sighs> what a missed opportunity. Yeah. yeah. What were they thinking? <laughs> Lower decks. Um, please. Yeah. Lower decks. Yeah, we're, maybe we should just go right for lower decks. Uh, uh, although Jake frequently mentions Marta as the object of his affection, this is the only time she appears. Wasted opportunity. They're going to break up, right? At some point, off screen? It's, it's not too far away. Right. Yeah. She finds uh, a man. She finds a real man. A bajor man? Okay. Not and so, so this episode marks the end of the period where we only had Deep Space Nine on the air as a Star Trek show, because the events of Voyager's Caretaker take place between this episode and the next Deep Space Nine episode, Civil Defense, according to Stardates. Okay. Are you surprised that there wasn't, like, maybe some kind of, a, like, an appearance of maybe, like, a Voyager character or even seen Voyager maybe at the station with that in mind? Like that they were that that, that uh, Ensign Kim is on the ship and he gets yeah by the that's right they should have had they should have had like Jake or Marta bump into like Harry Kim or something just quickly yeah. like even if that was just yeah. a, a quick moment or something or even have even have Janeway talking to Cisco either on uh, you know maybe in maybe maybe that would have made more sense in you know caretaker and their pilot but instead they had Quark talking to Harry Kim that was um, no and Tom Paris. And Tom Paris, yeah. But that was the only kind of crossover they did. That was the only, you know, the little cameo, which is kind of the traditional thing to do or was until that point. Um, right. Um, okay, so the weapon used by the Gemma Hadar was based on Dan, was based by Dan Curry on a Tibetan fighting cleaver. Okay. That was an Dorian Ushan. Okay. That looks what it looked like to me. Okay. Uh, I believe you. Uh, Leslie Beavis makes her second appearance as Rionoj, the Boslik freighter captain in this episode. She previously appeared in season two, 
the homecoming and would later appear in season four broken link where her character would be named that's why we don't remember she was in the homecoming and they never really gave her a name until the end okay uh, the weapon used by the adolescent Jemadar in the Hollow Suite scene is similar in design to the Ushan Tor used in Enterprise United. Who said that two seconds ago? Jeff. Mike, your football. It's fun facts with Jeff. I will get the fun fact on the record. <laughs> Cisco fulfills his promise to Jake made in Deep Space Nine playing God to allow him to bring Marta home for dinner. Cisco complains to O'Brien that Jake's relationship with Dabble Girl Marta is inappropriate in part because she is 20 and he is only 16. At the time of filming, Sarah Clofton was indeed 16 years old, but Jill Sayre, who played Marta, was actually 18, two years younger than her character. So it actually was okay, kind of. Okay. Uh, Glenn Neufeld and vision art design and animation oversaw the special effects for the scene where Odo shapeshifts as the Gemitar leaps through him. That was kind of a cool scene. Yeah. Yep. For the time. Yeah, I enjoyed that. 1994. Uh, this takes place in 2371. Good Odo, old 71. Good old 71. A good year. Oh, uh, maybe a good year for uh, Chateau Picard. Um, Odo replays part of the battle scene from Deep Space Nine, The Search, which establishes that it took place on Saturday 48214.5, with the onboard battle occurring on Time Index 310. Yeah, it's exactly Mar what I said. Marta was born in 2351, because, you know, 20 years. Uh, Tom Morga's costume was sold off on an online auction. I don't know who Tom Morgan played. Who did he play? He that means that Marta was born only after the uniform switch from in Starfleet, right? Like that's how young she is. Um, because when they went from like the uh like the Wrath of Khan style uniform to the to the, like right. the the season one TNG uniform, that would have happened. She, she's only known Starfleet in in the post uh post uh, the, 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 no era. red uniform. She doesn't really She only know knows the red uniform. uniform. Not like, well, like, you know what I mean? Like the the modern. Yeah. Um, the final draft of the script was submitted on the 30th of August, 1994. Um, okay. Uh, this is the first episode to refer to Jake's literary talents, foreshadowing his later decision to become a writer. So she um, got him into writing. She got him or into writing. Or she nurtured his writing. She, she nurtured his writing. Talent. Yes. So or, even though they broke up, she had a profound influence. I can or, I just want to say I'm really glad we didn't have to hear any poetry. Poetry is awesome, dude. Love poetry. Not Jake. There's no way. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine Jake's poetry being. Uh, okay, we got a couple of goofs too Ooh, before goofs. we. Uh, we have a factual error. In the infirmary, when Bashir is administrating the Ketrosol White, he first says he will start with two milligrams and then bump it up to three cc's. There are these are not the same measurements. Milligram is a mass and a cc is a volume. Assuming the density of the white is the same as water, a cc would equal one gram of white or one hundred one thousand milligrams. I wondered about that because I was like, are, are milligrams and cc's the same thing? I guess so. Bashir said so. But maybe this is an example that he's he's pretending to be dumb on purpose, Jeff. Like, you <laughs> this know, is really doing. bad for a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> really bad. Because it, he says two milligrams and then he'll bump it up to three cc's. One gram, a uh, cc would equal one gram, which is actually like a thousand. So he was actually saying... Um, a th two thousand milligrams, or and I'll bump it up to three thousand milligrams. But he actually only said two milligrams, so he had no idea what the fuck he was talking. He's about. not a good doctor, I don't think. <laughs> he's good at math, maybe. No, he's Darts. not good at math. Well, not yet. That's why they had to like write that in for him because it, this is painful. Um, it appears that as Quark is inspecting his purchase in the cargo bay at around three thirty-five, the battery dies in the light he is using. Okay. Maybe he turned it off. I don't know. But that's it for Double F with Jeff. Are you ready for some fun facts? 
Facts. There you go. All right, let's rate this episode. Uh, let's bring that in. Uh, and we are talking the abandoned, of course. Okay, uh, Jeff, do you want to start us off? Uh, I'm in like the fours on this one, to be honest Ooh. with you. I'm like four, four point four. You're telling me you like this less than Gary Seven's episode of Star Trek: The Original Series. I do. Oh I yeah, would, I'd rather watch Gary Seven than this episode again. Well, I would rather watch this, so I'm giving it a seven. Six point five. Half, Ashley. I'm a seven. Seven. Four. Getting punched in the face. <laughs> okay. Uh that average is at a 5.8 for the five of us. Um, this is a seven on IMDB, so it's not super high for them either. Um, and is a 6.4 combined. So that brought the season three average down. Uh, that has actually been our lowest rated episode of season three so far. We we liked this even less than equilibrium. Um with uh, with Dax and her piano playing psycho previous host. Uh, just looking at the credits, Avery Brooks directed, as we mentioned a few times, and Thomas D. Thomas Mayo and Stephen Warnick, who are not named I know in terms of Star Trek writers. Uh, that's about it. Okay. It was released on Halloween. It was. Yeah, this is a Halloween episode. Ooh. And that, well, that wasn't in the fun facts. Ooh. Okay, well, we can, there, there was I know when the Halloween. script went out on August 30th, but I don't know about the Halloween airing. Look, there's no Halloween. Uh, there's nothing about this episode that said Halloween to you in any way, other than the Jim Adar's makeup school, I guess. I guess so. And the, as you mentioned, uh, the next episode, this will be after the loss or the disappearance of Voyager, of course, but civil defense will be next. Civil where the, the station goes into lockdown and the crew is endangered when an old Cardassian security program is accidentally activated. Oh, this is such a good this was, this next episode is one of my favorite episodes of Tuesday's Time. Yeah. I love this episode. Golden Cod in this one is incredible. Yeah. He's so great. And he's and then like yeah, he comes onto the station. And he's like, I could turn it off if I wanted to. And then he goes to and then it backfires on him. Everything, <laughs> everything about it is so great. Yeah. Well, that's that's next. Um, you know, <laughs> everyone and... was happy, like, yes, Avery Books took this episode. We can get a competent director for the next one. <laughs> well, yeah, he he this is the I kind of think the thing with Avery Brooks is he took a story about a boy dating a dabble girl and a Jem'Hadar orphan, and he was like, "How can I frame it in a way that's like about gang culture?" And I don't know, like I just don't think he was coming at it from the right lens. Not that it's a wrong thing to not, you know, talk about, but I just don't think in this episode it really made sense. I don't, I don't think the elements are are there enough to go down that route. He could have had that in his mind, which is yeah. fine, but. Right. You know, that's not what we see play out on the screen. This it's not next really episode appropriate. It made sense why they gave him sorry of far beyond the stars. Like it made sense yeah. why they gave him that one because he wants to talk about that kind of a thing, which is you know, but it, sometimes you can't force it. I'm excited about this next episode too because this the director is Reza Badi, if I hope I'm saying that right, uh, who directed a whole bunch of TV shows in like the 20th century and the 21st century, including like Get Smart, Six Million Dollar Man, Mission Impossible. Um, I think uh, uh, all, all kinds of stuff: Mortal Kombat, Sliders, Ooh. Baywatch, Baywatch Nights. Yes, Buffy the <laughs> Vampire Slayer. Um, a a, a a whole bunch uh jake and the fat man this jake guy man. yeah man like i'm jake pulling all the stops man. this they brought like a tv directing legend in for this next episode i'm i'm on board i'm on board yeah. they watched so, nights of jake and the fat man jake and the fat man jake cisco and the fat man who's the fat man <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> oh, i'm not answering that question <laughs> I don't know. There's nobody really fat on these days night, so except for that guy who was at the double wheel earlier in this episode, maybe. Uh who was Marta was flirting with to get him to lose all his money. He'll be the business. fat man. That was that was, was she's Jake, she's got Jake in the fat man. That's what that was Marta's world. It's the Klingon restaurateur. Yeah, yeah. he's actually the fattest. Yeah. <laughs> so where's that spin-off? I want to see that one. Jesus right? and, that, and the and the Klingon uh, restaurant opera because singing it, guy. Yeah, because yeah. Klingons are poets as well. 
So yeah, just, they love poetry. They love opera. They're obviously they're very artistic people. Yeah, shaking a fat man. Yeah, <laughs> unlike the Jemadar who want just want to kill. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Well, uh, is he frozen? Or is he just scowling? <laughs> <laughs> he was He's just moving very slowly. He was frozen as the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> yeah, he was uh, doing his best Drax, I thought. Or <laughs> I've become I've invisible. I've become invisible. I'm going to stand very still. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, uh, Jeff, do you mind if I plug uh, our other shows here on Live Long and Podcast? What shows do you speak of, Dave? <laughs> <laughs> well, on Wednesday, Jeff, we talk about original series episode with our dad. You know about those, right? Oh, oh those, those are the shows that we don't know what it was like back in the 60s. Yeah. We didn't know. <laughs> back in the 60s, we didn't know yet. <laughs> we saw it once and that was it. We thought we thought nobody would ever see it again, and we did. It was it was it just had to be entertaining for that hour. I didn't we, think we'd talk about it sixty years later. Well, guess what? We are. We're talking about them all, and tomorrow we're talking about the lights of Zatar. Ooh. Right. I don't know. What, I don't really know what to expect yet. I'm men uh, in black. And uh, guess what? We also do Star Trek Radio Theater here, where we reenact the scripts. Uh, we're going to be here on Saturday night, where we're going to be doing. Captain Proton, uh, the Bride of Chaotica is the episode. Jeff, are you excited to be Captain Proton? Oh, God, Dave. You gave me... I don't even like Captain Proton. These I know, but you are favorite Voyager episodes. <laughs> oh, God. I, I don't like Tom Paris either. I hate his episodes. <laughs> well, so you're, you're, I'm Jeff's going to have his A-game this week, I'm going to have to figure out what I want to do to really make fun of Tom Paris, which won't be hard. And you'll be here with Michael Chan as your Buster Kincaid slash Harry Kim. Right. Uh, Jane playing the role of Captain Janeway slash Queen Arachnia. I'll be Dr. Chaotica. Uh, Kevin Millard playing Tuvok, and, a, a grumpy Tuvok, if, if you will, uh, as well as uh, one of the photonic aliens from the, uh, from the fifth dimension. Um, as well as we got Mott playing Lonzak and Chakotay. Ashley is going to be seven of nine and constant Goodheart and the computer and two kinds of narrator, our narrator and this holodeck narrator. And uh, got to work on that, Ashley. That'd be two kinds of narrator. Oh, I will. <laughs> and then Jessica you know, Chan. Your voice got it. Yes. Uh, she playing uh, Torres, Neelix, and a photonic alien. And then we got special guest star Dylan Gonzalez playing Satan's robot, as well as Robert Ricardo uh, in The Doctor and the President of Earth. Jeff, this is exciting, eh? Is he gone? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He's just about to curse. I can't stand this Dr. Captain Proton or whatever. Fine. <laughs> It's gonna be a lot of fun, it is. Um, whether you like it or, or not, really. But I think it's gonna be good. Um, and uh, and also, we do Super Mater Brothers podcasting channel where uh, Jamil and I are actively covering uh, Super or what is it, Big Brother Canada Nine. We're in the fourth week. Yep. Interesting season. Check it out if you haven't already. Right, we, right. we we it's a lot going on. We're on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays for that. Um, and uh, we got six more weeks of that, so it's not too late to get involved. We also talked to uh, Jamil, Ashley, and I talked about WandaVision, the whole series there. We'll be doing Falcon Winter Soldier when that wraps in about you know, 10 Five weeks. More, uh, six more weeks. Six more weeks. Six more weeks of that. Um, and then uh, and then I think that's everything on Super Mater Brothers. And we also have Trivial Debates coming up this Sunday. I've, uh, I'm asking Eamon Mater to help me put together a show. I, I don't know. We're, we're going to follow up. So it's uh, – <laughs> I was like, come on. Come on to me with some ideas about – Hosts and who you think should we get some contestants and see if we can get things, but we only got like three days left or four days left, so uh, it's gonna be a tight one. So, anyway, check that out on Sunday. We're gonna do something. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something's gonna happen, something's gonna happen, and th that's all our shows. Wow, that was uh, that was great, Dave. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, no problem. Looking forward to it, looking forward to the trivial debates that we know nothing about. <laughs> But looking forward to it. I got a um, training. I got a, 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 new, a new trainee. <laughs> uh, no, th you guys have to. Uh, you know, I want a theme. You know, give me a theme. Theme, a, a March theme, uh, an Easter theme, perhaps. A Pisces theme. Well, we're in Aries time now. Uh oh, 
It's airy season. It's airy season. Sorry, Pisces. The age of Pisces is past. Yeah. So this is the dawning of. Yeah, everything the about egg. Hercules, um, Ares from Hercules. There you go. Aries. That's Ares. No, that's Hercules. Not Aries. That's, that's Ares. That's Ares Kevin's... with that's A R E S. This is A R I E S. I like that dude. He's awesome. Rest his soul. James Wood. No, he. Um, I'm talking James about Wood. I'm. I'm talking not her. Not at Disney Hercules. Oh, you mean the show Hercules? Hercules. The legendary adventures, the legendary journeys with the Eolus. And Hercules. That's right. The guy who played Ares dies. Yes. Yes. Um, and it had it had Carl Urban playing Cupid. Yes. Yes. Back in the day, Star Trek's yeah. own. And who was who played Ares? What was his name? I don't know his name, but he was a good actor. Uh, Kevin Smith. What was it? Kevin Smith. His name oh, okay. was Kevin Smith. Hey, get this. There's a baseball player that plays on the Blue Jays right now. His name is Kevin Smith. <laughs> who would it like? It's such a it's such an uncommon name. I don't know how. how and you know who was the king the the king of queens? <laughs> Kevin, Kevin James. James. <laughs> oh, but Kevin. his real name is Kevin Smith. Was, yes, <laughs> Kevin James Smith. Right. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. Jeff, take us away. Well, for all of us here at Live Long and Podcast, <laughs> just remember. Deep Space Nine at nine ish is on at nine, and. Just tune in back next week. Live Long Podcast. Oh, thank you. <laughs>